Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got a, another great episode for you. We will deep dive into the uh, the first couple picks of the NFL draft, go over the big Aaron Rodgers uh, trade news, uh, a little uh, NHL corner from, from Luke. But first, I thought we would start with the NBA playoffs and specifically with the Eastern Conference, which um, is just kind of all over the place. Um, you know, uh, first, I wanted to talk about the Joel Embiid uh, injury. Uh, he had a knee sprain in game three of the series versus Brooklyn, uh, missed uh, game four. Uh, the team says there is a 50% chance uh, he plays in, in game one of the next series, which will most likely be against Boston. Um, and just, you know, quick recap of the uh, Sixers' odds to win the East. So before the playoffs, they were 440. Last week, uh, they were plus 310. That was, you know, when, when kind of when Giannis got hurt. Uh, and then before the Bucks, uh heat game, uh, game four, they were plus 450. So they kind of went, they were even worse than they were before the playoffs. And now uh, after the Bucks lose game four, the Sixers are back down to plus 340. So that's a kind of a, a, a roller coaster of odds just for them to, to win the East. Um as a as a resident kind of Philly, you know, uh, fan, where do you stand on the Sixers given the Embiid injury, but then also the Bucks, you know, could have one foot out the door right now? Yeah, so you know, watching Jimmy Butler drop fifty um, on Monday night and to go up three one against Milwaukee, that of course he's a former Seventy Sixer, so that is annoying. He's also a former Bull, and I'm of course a Bulls fan, so that's a double annoying. <laughs> Um, so look, man, I mean, he's, he's playoff Jimmy, like he plays so well in the postseason. He just finds a way to win in those games. And it's just literally Embiid always has an injury. So it's, it's also frustrating to see him come down with yet another one. It seems like it always happens in like, you know, crunch time in these playoff series. So it's frustrating, man. Um, I, I honestly, like given that injury, I kind of, I've given out the 76ers is, a team that is has three times the odds versus Boston, um, but I might have to switch on that. I mean, it's, this this team runs through Joe, um, and if he's not healthy, like there's just no way this team goes to the NBA Finals. Yeah, um, I've heard some people say that you know Embiid played too many minutes in the regular season because he was so concerned about uh, getting the MVP. But I I don't know. I mean, to your point, I think this happens almost like every postseason, and. Um, yeah, and the other thing too is like if they're saying he's fifty fifty for game one, that I feel like that means like the injury is probably worse than 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 they're letting on, and we won't really know until you know that series gets set. It's probably, you know probably like twenty four forty eight hours before before game one. So, yeah, I mean I'm, you know, it's unfortunate for for the Sixers that they're gonna play the Celtics in round two when the other round two matchup could be Heat Knicks, you know, uh, and so they're gonna have to you know run into the buzzsaw. But look, you know, you gotta play them at some point. Um, I think, yeah, at this point, the Celtics look like a very strong uh, case to, to win the East, currently at minus 105. Um, so, uh, you know, if it were me, maybe wait until, you know, if, if Embiid does not play game one against the, the, against the Celtics, then maybe, and they lose, then maybe that's the time to, to hop on the Sixers because I think when both teams are healthy, um, the Sixers 
do have a, a, a decent shot. So that would be kind of my advice there. Um, but switching to the favorite, the, the team that was the favorite to win the entire thing entering the, the playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks, um, that's also been a, a roller coaster of, of odds. So again, to break down their Eastern Conference odds before the playoffs, plus 115, after the injury, plus 200, after the first quarter of game four, where Giannis looked like he was back and the, the Bucks were going were gonna to roll him and tie the series up, they were plus 120. And now, after losing game four, they are plus 330. So I will uh, ask you another question. Is, is, it, is it dumb to be thinking that the Bucs could come back and, and win this series? And, you know, is there value to be had on the Bucs? Or, I mean, the fact that they're down 3-1 to a team that was really bad in the regular season and was almost out of the entire thing, right? They, they had to beat the Bulls um, in, that, in that second play-in game. So is, is it worth hopping on the Bucs right now, down 3-1 in the first round? So obviously, before this podcast, we do some research, and a total of 13 times in the NBA playoffs, a team has came back from a 3-1 deficit. So got one in, hopefully it becomes a 1-14 shot of Milwaukee turning this thing around. So um, it's rare. It's super rare. And Jimmy looked pretty motivated, and maybe Giannis is more injured than he's you know, explaining to the media and to his team, it's it's uphill climb for sure. It's it's going to be very very difficult. I would I would lean the Heat. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm looking at odds on Fanduel right now. The Heat are only minus one fifty two to win the series, and the Bucks are plus one twenty eight. Yeah, I mean, wild. The, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, at the beginning of the playoffs, we of course talked that Milwaukee was the favorite. You know, it was like Milwaukee or Boston to to do this and. <laughs> it's looking looking unlikely right now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's crazy to me. The Heat are only minus one fifty two. Uh, maybe there's some like kind of arbitrage hedging thing there, where you where you still take we take the Bucks to win the East at like plus three thirty, but then hedge a little bit on it on, on Heat to win the series. And because mm-hmm. you got to imagine if if Milwaukee somehow does win the next three in a row, obviously like the you know they're gonna be. And then, you know, they beat the Knicks in the second round, then, like, that, you're going to have a great number there at that plus 330. So um, I would agree with you. I, that minus 150 is a lot lower than I thought it was going to be for the, for the series. Um, and then switching to the Western Conference, uh, uh, a series we talked a lot about last week was the Golden State-Sacramento series, which has been uh, extremely exciting. Once again, no road team has, has won yet. Um, you know, they, they always say uh, the series don't start until the road team wins a game. Uh, Kings win the first two at home. Golden State comes home, routes them in game three, even without Draymond. Uh, game four was a, was a close game. You know, I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've still been impressed with the Kings. Like, they did not back down in, in, that, in that game four game and, and had a, a decent look to, uh, to win it there at the end. Harrison Barnes uh, missed uh, a couple threes there at the end, but specifically the one at the buzzer. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because, and I think we've mentioned this, this ticket before, uh, on the, on the podcast, we have a customer, um, who placed a massive six leg parlay for $200. Uh, the, the six leg parlay contains the following legs, Argentina to win the world cup, Georgia to win the college football title, Novak Djokovic to win the Australian open chiefs to win the super bowl. UConn to reach the final four, 
Those five have all won. And the only remaining leg is the Warriors to win the championship. He wagered $200 to collect a little over $300,000. And so, Luke, you've been uh, in communication uh, with the seller. Um, The listeners will be shocked to hear that he is uh, quite, he's a little married to this ticket. Uh, And so you got him some offers uh, prior to game three, and then again, prior to game four, uh, what were those kind of interactions like? Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, looking at the odds, like we've had some people on social media say like, this is, I wish I was as smart as this guy. And like, you know, in fairness, parlaying those together is impressive. Like make no mistake about it. Like putting any type of parlay down with, you know, five legs hitting like impressive, but like, the only double digit odds were with Golden State. Everything else was was below you know, it's all no, single. I mean, they're all they're all they're all single. Golden State was plus seven fifty. That that was the long Golden State was, was the long, long. that was plus but that was plus seven fifty. But I mean the thing was placed back in December. So like, you know, yeah, the Chiefs the Chiefs are plus four sixty, but like that's still like you know, you're you're in early mid December. Like that's still kind of a, a bit of a long a bit of a yeah. not not long shot, but you know, and then and then you know, UConn to reach the final four at plus 230, like, you know, that's that's uh, short odds. But again, as we've discussed, UConn was a different team, you know, in December than they were in like January and February, but then it turned back into that original team in March. Mm-hmm. So, you know, interesting bet. Obviously, if this thing wins, even if it doesn't, you can sell this thing for... So right now, the market value is uh, 20... 26,000, like 257, um, depending on where you look and what you use for the Warriors odds. Warriors are around about eight to one. So um, it's worth around $25,000. We got him a bid of 18.5 before uh, game four. So, um, you know, of course, if they go down three to one, you're back into this predicament of 13 teams of came back from a three to one deficit. So you're in really, really tough territory. So I was shocked he didn't take that. But, you know, as we've learned, people get really married to their sports bets. And I think he thinks they're going to win it all. Um, you know, which I'd probably disagree with. They're a really good team. They're very talented. Of course, they won last year. But I, I still think Sacramento's got a shot. I think LA has a chance to beat them. Um, now, fast forward to tonight, Monday night, where uh, the Bucks get punched in the mouth. Okay, like this, this becomes more interesting for sure. Like I definitely would have, you know, ticket value of a Warriors ticket goes up when you know the favorite or second favorite goes down three to one. I get that. So that wasn't the case over the weekend. So um, you know, I'm sure this ticket will stay alive. Of course, the series is tied two to two. It's been back and forth. And to your point, no team has won. Uh, on the road yet, so um, hopefully it keeps going and that ticket value keeps going up and up and we can get it sold eventually. Yeah. Um, look, I get his thinking. I, I, you know, not wanting to sell prior to game three or game four because I get the thinking of, like, they will win those two games at home. But, like, at some point, in order to win a championship, especially as a six seed, you will need to win a, several games on the road. And I... Their regular season, they didn't do it. The first two games, the playoffs, didn't do it. Like, yeah, can the, you know, 
win game five in Sacramento. Yeah, absolutely. But like at a certain point, it's like that those issues are going to keep piling up. Not to mention, it's just so difficult to to win back to back when like every other team in this conference is hungry. Like the Suns are going to be hungry. The Nuggets are going to be hungry. The Lakers will be hungry. Like, um, and I just I just get vibes that like they're just they're like digging deep into like their the experience that they have and, and stuff like that and like the the teamwork. But like, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I I personally don't see them winning a second straight, you know, beating like it's been Suns or Nuggets, uh, Lakers, and then like, you know, eventually what the Celtics, the finals again. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't see it, but um, we, yeah, we shall see. Uh, it would not shock me if, like I said, if the Warriors did win this series, but it, those, those road issues are going to end up being fatal. I think at some point. Yeah. And then just one last thing to ponder, we can talk about this maybe more next week is like, what about fatigue? Like, when these teams just go and could come out of a battle, like you're just going to a like a battle of a back and forth of the Sacramento Kings team, they're young and they're they're fast breaking and they're shooting well, and like you just got to be exhausted coming out of the series. Then you got to you know pick yourself back up and go play to your point a Denver or a Phoenix or a Los Angeles. Like my goodness, it just fatigue has to set in at some point where there's there's these battles of back and forth as opposed to the NFL, of course, where it's just one game. Um, you know, these series just have to be exhausting. So um, maybe we'll do some research before next week just on, you know, fatigue and how often do teams win after a, a seven-game series plus it being really competitive, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And especially when a lot of your guys are over 30 on that team, the, the Warriors. I mean, those, those are old guys. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, I, I didn't have this in the rundown, but I thought it was crazy – you know, the, the Suns are probably going to, you know, beat the Clippers now in, in, in five games, right? Kawhi got hurt. That was something that happened after my, last week's podcast. But Durant played 45 minutes in that, in game four. Was it? Yeah, in, in, in game four, Durant played 45 minutes against a team that without Kawhi Leonard and not Paul George. Like, I get trying to get the series over, but, like, that is a lot of minutes for Kevin Durant for, for a team that he should be smoking. But, like, they're like, we'll be kind of got to use them to, to win this game. So, um, yeah, to your point, um, minutes logged is something that I think does add up, especially for guys that are in their, uh, in their thirties. Yes. Um, and then switching sports can talk a little, uh, NHL playoffs. Um, Luke, the, uh, the, the floor is yours. <laughs> so tons of back and forth. We'll keep this short and sweet. Um, hit the blast. If anyone's not watching playoff hockey, I highly encourage you to flip it on for 15 minutes. There's t- Playoff hockey is just a different level than regular season hockey. The Barcelona guys have dissected this. These these players, if you played at this intensity, the way the NHL players do in the playoffs during the regular season, A, you would just collapse after each game. B, you'd probably get injured. And C, you wouldn't be able to sustain this level of, of um, velocity throughout the whole season. So, um, you know, it's, it's really fun. So if you haven't. Yeah. Uh, I, as a fan, I'm having a hard time uh, maintaining the velocity. I mean, Knights won right. in double overtime on Sunday. I mean, I'm not a Maple Leafs fan, but they came back, what, from down 4-1 um, to, beat, to beat the Lightning uh, on Monday night. So uh, it's, I mean, you know, and then, uh, you know, how about the, the Kings-Oilers series? Like, that's been a that's been a crazy uh, back and forth series. Yep, yep. So in the Kings Oilers series, there's been three overtimes. They've alternated wins. That's tied two to two as 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 of this recording. And the Devils, the Devils Rangers series, like we discussed, the the Devils lose twice at home. And in fairness, it's like a thirty minute drive from Trenton to New York City, so it's not much of a home ice advantage. But Devils lose twice at home to start. 
Then they win in OT. Then they win again 3-1. to one. So that series is tied, the New York Rangers-New Jersey Devils series. So um, just a ton of back and forth. It's it's super exciting. And um, betting on it, of course, follows excitement. And um, that that uh, Rangers-Devils series is now minus 110 each way, series price. So just, um, yeah. you know, and I, like, um, just for those who are unaware, PropSwap is setting new NHL records this year. In 2023, we're selling more NHL tickets than we ever have. So um, our customers are are agreeing that it's it's a really fun thing to gamble on. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you've got the elephant in the room, which is the, the Boston Bruins. But it's – I don't understand how – yeah, I mean, I guess the past couple of years aside, there's always – you know, there's always some big upsets. Like, I mean, you know, it's – if you can remove the last year or two – a lot of times the the favorite does end up getting kind of upset at some point in the playoffs. So now the Bruins are down to like two to one. Uh, and so I asked you last week if it was Bruins versus the field, um, you know, who, you know, would you, which one would you, would you take? Still field. Yeah. And then you threw in the avalanche and I sided with those two just because the ads are so darn good. Um, as of tonight, my answer is still the same field. If it's Boston versus the field, but then, if you give me abs and Bruins, I would take a combo, you know, either or. Okay. Um, and then time to talk a little more draft. Uh, coming up this week, first round is on Thursday night. Um, and uh, I think draft betting is one of the most fun things to to kind of dive into and, and dissect. Um you know, sports book, sports book directors love to say about NFL draft props. It's not whether you're going to win or lose. It's about how much you're going to lose because these things move all the time. And, you know, betters are all they're doing is monitoring draft news and, and, and uh, leaks or whatever. And meanwhile, sports books have to be, they're focusing on NBA and NHL and, you know, all uh, MLB and, you know, they're not, they can't be solely dedicated to these, to these draft props. So, um, was going to get into a last week. We, we kind of dove deep into the, the number one pick um, Bryce Young still holding strong as, as a lock there. So I guess your prediction is still correct for the moment, but we still have a couple more days. Um, but there's a couple other odds movements uh, revolving around the second and third pick that I think is a great explanation as to, uh, as to why sports book directors kind of hate, you know, love, hate this, uh, this, uh, this event. So uh, the second, the second overall pick, which belongs to the Texans, Will Levis is currently a minus one twenty-five favorite. And again, I should say this is all predicated Monday night because um, by the time someone listens to this, it could be much different. But Will Levis is now a minus one twenty-five favorite to be the second overall pick. A week ago, when we recorded last week, he was nineteen to one, and C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson were kind of the the, the co-favorites. So. 19 to one to minus 125 for Will Levis to go second overall to the to the Texans. Um, are you are you? I'll stop right there. Are you buying Dude, that pick? I I hate that so much. Like, think of all the quarterbacks that have been successful and like look at their body types. They're slender and not muscular and like just um, they're built to like. I don't know, stay healthy and not overexert your knee tendons and Achilles. And like, this guy is so much muscle. I, I, I honestly, it's, it's going to work against him. 
playing that position. Now, playing other positions, of course, DK Metcalf is one of the most shredded guys, you know, of any athlete ever, and he's playing very well at receiver, but a totally different position. Um, so I don't get it, man. Um, so actually, sorry to cut you off. So when I, when I wrote down minus 125, that was this afternoon, he is now plus 175. So, uh, and then Will Anderson plus 230 and Tyree Wilson, who's an outside linebacker as well, uh, plus 270. So again, and, and, and CJ Stroud plus 400. So mm-hmm. again, that, that just go, goes to show you. But uh, I think, I think your point is fair. Like that's another example of a quarterback who, no one was talking about to go in the top two, and now all of a sudden he's he went from nineteen to one to minus one thirty five in in seven days, and now uh, and and still is the favorite. Yeah, so I don't get it. You know, clearly, you know, some of these GMs, in my opinion, are are interested because he had his shirt off and like you know had a good workout in Indianapolis, but um, I I don't see it. Wasn't that good at at Kentucky? Had a good is he uh, is he a junior or senior? I, I'm not I, sure. I just know that his second season ago, not this most recent one, was good. And then last season he dropped off. People want to say, well, he didn't have a receiver. It's like, okay, like <laughs> you're you're about to go second overall. Like I hope you could succeed um without an all-star cast. So um I don't get it. Um I would I would not be, you know, it's obviously not my decision, it's the Texans decision, but um I would not be a buyer of him at two. Um, but the Texans are really poor run, poorly run franchise. So maybe they they do take them. Yeah, look, I, I'm not going to judge a quarterback, a Kentucky quarterback, who's playing in the SEC in terms of win loss record. Um, but I do think if people were that enamored with him, like he would have been in the Heisman race, or you know, like I mean, just kind of more talk about him during the season. Like, yo, you got to watch this this Will Levis kid. He's he's out there doing crazy things. And yeah, there, there was some of that to, to some degree. I think he got hurt, but um, still, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like he probably just impressed them in the combine. But um, but again, who knows? Because literally this afternoon, it's gone from minus 135 to plus 175 already. Uh, and then the third pick, uh, which belongs to the Cardinals, um, and I think we kind of discussed shortly last week about how like, because uh, Anthony Richardson last week was the favorite. Um, and we were like, well, why would the Cardinals be drafting a quarterback? Uh, but now Tyree Wilson uh, is the outside linebacker from, uh, he played at A&M and at Texas Tech. Uh, Tyree Wilson is now a plus 270 favorite. Last week, he was 20 to 1 to, to go here. So um, yet another crazy odd move. And once again, I know this is not a sticker swap, but like, I don't understand why I've, if you if if you were smart enough to get in on some of these guys at nineteen or twenty to one and now they're the favorite like you don't know I mean God forbid the team you know you think you think the Cards are going to draft this guy and then the Cardinals trade the pick you know like you you don't you don't know the stuff so um, anything uh, you know Tyree Wilson plus two seventy Stroud plus two eighty Will Anderson plus three seventy and Richardson plus five hundred anything stand out to you there for the third pick uh, to the Cardinals. Um... Yeah, I I realized that Kyler Murray did not have a good year last year, and there's probably some philosophical differences, um, you know. But is it Steichen or um, or uh, who's the Cardinals head coach now? Uh, court Eagles coordinator. I forget if it's Steichen or um, or the uh, it's uh, Gannon, Jonathan Gannon. 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 Yeah, yeah. So he was the Eagles defense coordinator. Like I am sure. There's some philosophical differences between Gannon and Kyler Murray. So, like, 
is there a poss- is there like a ten to twenty percent chance that they take quarterback for sure? Like I could I could say with a fifteen percent chance they grab a quarterback, um, but that would be a stunner for you know eighty five percent chance it doesn't happen. So um, I agree. If I could um, if I could lock in some cash on a Tyree Wilson um, prop, I would be doing that. I I do think they lean defense. They have a lot of problems. I mean, the Cardinals are a very bad football team. I thought they were going to be good last year. Of course, they lose J.J. Watt. He retires. It seems that DeAndre Hopkins has played his last football in Phoenix. So um, they got some massive holes to fill and a quarterback that seems to look like he doesn't want to be as much of a leader as other um, people thought he was going to be. So a lot of, ga- a lot of holes to fill in, in Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, look, they can have as many philosophical differences as they want, but last year, Kyle Murray signed a five-year, $230 million contract with $160 million of it guaranteed. And so, you know, you, you're paying I'm not him. saying, yeah, yeah, you're paying them. And so I'm not saying the Carls shouldn't draft a quarterback this draft, but like, yeah, to your point, they have a lot, uh, they have a lot of other holes. And I would be using that, you know, you know, if you're going to assume that, that Kyle Murray has to start week one next year, unless he gets like hurt in training camp. Like um, I would rather be dra- using that pick to draft someone who is a guaranteed starter uh, next, next season. So mm-hmm. um, I would agree that, but you know, but again, that, that still leaves Will Anderson, um, you know, to be, to, to, to go on that spot or, or, or again, he trade the pick who don't, you don't know. So yeah. um, the draft, like I said, draft, very exciting. And, you know, Luke point, uh, mentioned earlier about the NHL, uh, Playoffs uh, being an exciting thing for prop swap. The NFL draft uh, might be uh, this week. It might be equally as exciting in terms of uh, in terms of all the different uh, props you can uh, buy and sell, and all the way you know sports books shut down. Like Nevada laws, like you have to, they can't be offering draft props um, like until like you know, less than twenty four hours before the draft on prop swap. You know. When when the the Cardinals are on the clock, you can still be buying and selling uh, draft props. So um, you know, prop swap does not play by those by those same rules. Um, it is funny. The other thing I was going to mention, just looking at the different sports books and the the menus they're offering, you can definitely tell that some of these sports books are sick of losing so much money, and their menus have gotten much shorter. And yeah. it's a lot more uh, what they call indexed props, where it's like you know, like what we just, what we just talked about, right? Six six guys are listed to be number three overall pick versus the over under of a certain guy because if if some news breaks before, and you get there before the the sports books do like that's where you can really expose the sports books and so they are sticking much more to these you know first wide receiver drafted you know who's going number three overall versus the you know over under of Bijan Robinson or something like that you know mm-hmm. um, and then. Lastly, before we get to uh, stake or swap, uh, the the worst kept secret uh, in the NFL uh, trade rumor rumor mill was uh, Aaron Rodgers finally traded from the Packers to the Jets. Uh, they get a bunch of Packers get a bunch of trade picks and swaps in return, uh, as well as getting that salary off of their books. The Jets not a huge move because everyone knew this was going to happen at some point, so not a huge Oz move in the Super Bowl market, but Jets currently fourteen to one to win the Super Bowl. Um any any thoughts on uh on the uh the odds? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to stake or swap when the NFL season rolls around, but I am swapping that number. Um I I don't see it. 
it, these teams take time, man. Um, to they take time to learn the playbooks. They take time to learn how receivers run certain routes. Like I, I would, I would not be backing fourteen to one. Um, and Aaron Rodgers didn't even have a good year last year with a team that he was supposed to have a good year with. You know, some young receivers, whole offseason to work with them, gets along with Matt LaFleur. Um, is Robert, I don't know who the Jets' offensive coordinator is, but I don't see Robert Sala and Aaron Rodgers just teaming up in, you know, late late April, early May and, and seeing him in the Super Bowl and you got to go through Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. Like, I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I get the Jets last year, like, had a solid, you know, offensive line and solid defense and, you know, had that great rookie running back before he got hurt. But, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to to bet a team at 14 to one before the season starts Very any so. team, let alone yeah. a team that didn't even make the playoffs. And, you know, the Cowboys are 14 to one, the Chargers are 25 to one. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, the Dolphins are 25 to one. I think there are other better bets uh, in terms of teams with more experience and, and more weapons. And, um, and yeah, and, and it's just the jets, like they haven't won a Super Bowl since 1968. So, uh, I yeah. sure as hell not happen on them uh, at fourteen to one before the season. Um, no. So that other other pet peeve is like, and I, I get it. The the team name is the New York Jets, but it's just hysterical. Nothing they do is in New York. It's all in New Jersey. Everything they do is in New Jersey. So just some of these teams are like, and the San Francisco Forty ers play, you know, eighty minutes away in Santa Clara. It's just. One of my pet peeves, just maybe because I lived out there, it's like no, it's it's it, he's going to New Jersey. He's not going to New York. Nothing he does will be in New York. Maybe he'll live in Manhattan. Maybe he won't. There's been barstool or like Brandon Marshall. We're like, where are you going to live? He's like, I don't know, probably Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think I think especially when you're older and and like not sing, you know whatever trying to go on the nightlife, like you there's despite some you know there's always there's very nice very nice houses in, in Northern Jersey. So um, and. Yeah, I would I would say he'd probably be a, a Jersey resident as well, um, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be more to discuss about that. Uh, and then I'm sure there'll probably be some interesting trades, uh, like there were last year. Um, a guy named AJ Brown got uh, got traded to the Eagles on draft night. That worked out well. So um, I think uh, that's nothing too. Is that like the Eagles' odds pre pre uh, NFL draft last year were like uh, you could have gotten a lot better odds pre NFL draft. So um, I would also throw that out there to people like when, when these draft trades happen for like maybe some big players be looking to pounce on, on some of these uh, futures because the Eagles last year is a great example of that. Good point. Um, but without further ado, it is that time of the show for steak or swap. First up, uh, we'll be talking a little more NFL draft, uh, particularly Anthony Richardson, uh, who uh, had, his markets are all over the place, but specifically to be drafted number five overall, he is plus 350 to go fifth overall. That pick is currently owned uh, by the Seahawks. Uh, and so I will go first. I am staking Richardson plus 350 to go fifth overall. Uh, I'm going to add a little caveat to this. Um, I would also add Richardson over four and a half in terms of draft position. So that basically means he'll be selected fifth or later. That's currently minus 330. So five fifth overall plus 350 over four and a half minus 330. Um, looking at the odds, 
and I think it would be safe to assume that the top four picks in some order are going to be Bryce Young, Will Levis, Tyree Wilson, C.J. Stroud, and I would probably throw Will Anderson into that mix too. I think the first four picks will include some combination of those players. The only wild card in that scenario would be uh, the Colts going rogue at, at, at four. Um, but if that's the case and, and Richardson's not taken in the top four, then you have a then if you make those two bets, you would create either a no lose or a huge win scenario. And so let me uh, lay out an example. Um, let's say you bet a hundred bucks uh, on Richardson to go fifth at plus three fifty, and then you bet three thirty on Richardson to go over four and a half. Right now, uh, if you if Richardson goes in the top four, you will lose four thirty. But if we assume that's not the case, then if Richardson goes sixth or later, you would break even, right? You would you would lose the hundred on the on the fifth overall pick, but you would win a hundred on the over four and a half pick. And then if Richardson does go fifth overall, then you would scoop both and you would win four fifty, four hundred fifty dollars. So um, I, I I can go a little deeper, but I mean I just I was just kind of pouring over the odds and seeing where people had them and. Um, I actually made this bet earlier today myself, uh, those two bets. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm a man of my word. Um, and so, you know, the Seahawks, I know they just signed Geno Smith to a, to a short new contract, but like there's, there's a, there's not a lot of guaranteed money. And Pete Carroll has kind of even said like, yeah, Geno's our guy for right now, but like there's nothing stopping us from taking a quarterback in the first round. I like it, man. Um, I'll also state that. Now, that, that's with a caveat of that kind of hedge bet you made. And, you know, I would encourage people to to make both of those if you're going to go down this route because there's, you know, the Seahawks. The, the first point is this draft is super, super unpredictable. Draft always is super unpredictable. Sportsworks can't predict it. Mel Kuyper can't predict it. So it's very difficult to, you know, assess these picks. So, like, my having said that, Anthony Richardson is the biggest project of all of these guys. Like most of these guys can throw a tight ball. It seems that they can read offense as well. I'm not sure that can be said about Anthony Richardson. So I just make that hedge bet seeing that, you know, you can hedge out of this, but I agree with you. I think there is a greater than 50% chance that the Seahawks take a quarterback. So, you right. know, the and question so if, you do, if they do, it's like, and Young's off the board and Levis is off the board and Stroud's off the board. Yeah. Then you know. Yep. So I I would agree that there's a greater than fifty percent chance Seattle goes with QB, um, and you know they had success with you know athletic quarterback last year with Gino. He's not a he's not a speed you know he's not a burner, but mobile enough. Um, and Anthony Richardson, of course, is out of this world mobile. So um, yeah, man, I like it. I would also stake Anthony Richardson with that hedge bet. Um, of him going over four and a half and then being the yeah, fifth overall. And like, it's, it's kind of the best of both worlds where it's like, it's a hedge bet if he goes sixth or later, but like, it's also, it doesn't kill you if he goes fifth. It actually only adds to it if, if he goes fifth, right? So like, it's it's not, you know, usually hedge bets are like, um, you know, the the limit your risk, but then they also kind of limit your reward. But like, if anything, this it, it, it boosts your reward if he does land fifth because you're, you're still winning because then you're winning uh, both bets. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, and I think honestly he could be a good fit in Seattle because, to your point, he's a project, and um, 
with having still having Geno Smith, that would give him some time to, you know, but the Colts, they need a quarterback to start right away, right? The Texans need a guy to start right away. And so um, I think that would be actually a really good fit. And of course that pick is from the Broncos. That's not even, that's not even Seattle's pick, but that's their pick from the, uh, the Russell Wilson trade. Um, all right. Uh, moving on. Uh, the next team going to switch sports one more time. Uh, going to talk a little MLB. Uh, we are t- talking about the Chicago Cubs. Um, currently 100 to 1 at Caesars. Uh, Luke, you go first. Are you staking or swapping uh, the Cubs? Yeah. So um, I am staking the Cubs. I am a biased Cubs fan, in fairness. Um, this team is not winning the World Series this year, but they are 100 to 1 at Caesars. They are 65 to 1 at FanDuel. They're 66 to 1 at MGM. So ton of value there, obviously, with PropSwap. You can bet them at 101 at Caesars, immediately sell it on PropSwap at odds of 70 to 1. So you make around 30% of your money, bet 100, sell for 130. So value immediately right there. They have scored the most runs in the National League. And they are number one. It's called OB plus slugging. And I looked this up. This is actually way simpler than I thought it was going to be. I never actually knew what on-base percentage was and what slugging percentage was. But very quickly... On base is literally just a rate at which a batter gets on base. <laughs> exactly how it sounds. So divide all the plate appearances in the denominator, numerator is how many times that batter reaches the base. And then slugging, also way simpler than I thought it was going to be, rate of the total bases per at bat. So add up all the bases that you get. The home run, of course, is four, triples, three, et cetera, et cetera. And then divide by your at bats. So pretty simple way to assess batting in, in the majors, and they are number one, the Cubs are, um, in the majors at that on-base plus slugging percentage. So, um, again, this team's not winning the World Series, but if you can give me 101 to Caesars, sell it on props off a 30% profit immediately, and then, you know, hopefully this team continues to do really well into May, into June. You're flipping it for two or three times what you paid for it if they get down to 25 to 1. Um, yeah. I I will stake uh, the Cubs as well with with kind of the caveat you threw out there. Like if it's a kind of get in and get out uh, soon because, you know, te- it's a long season, man. And so, like, if you are, you know, uh, exceeding expectations early on, like there's usually a pretty good chance you can kind of come – that you come back down to, uh, to the mean. Um, but, you know, that being said, so their preseason win total was 77.5. And now, according to 538, they're projected to win 82 wins. So um, not even like they're exceeding expectations that much. Uh, and then I like to look at other stats that are just a little more simple than whatever you just uh, explained. Um, <laughs> run differential being one of them. Uh, Cubs currently number one in the National League at plus 39. Uh, the next closest is plus 35 Atlanta. And the next closest in their division is Pittsburgh and Milwaukee at plus 25. So Cubs actually leading the NL in, in run differential, uh, but only with a 12 and nine record. So that's, uh, that's, that's kind of stands out to me, but um, yeah, awesome. I would say they're, yeah, I would say right now they're, uh, they're, they're trending in the, in the right direction, but um, baseball is such a long season, man. And um, I would be, I'd be trying to get in and, and get out relatively soon. And then maybe but again, go for two, make two tickets, sell one uh, in the, in the short term and then hold one uh, later in the season would be my, would be my advice for that. So, um, but yeah, uh, long, long season, man. But uh, I'll tell you what's not long is, is 
the NHL and NBA playoffs. Those are coming to a head soon. Same with NFL draft. So be making sure to check out PropSwap. A bunch of great tickets on all those events. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and we will talk to you next week. 